Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering for Salmonach Baptist Church for November 7th, 2021. My name is David Johnson. I'm blessed to serve as the pastor here at Salmonach Baptist Church. This online gathering will be called to worship here in a few moments by a reading from Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11. SBC family, a couple of announcements to make you aware of. First, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, November 10th, we're going to have midweek at midday Bible study again. We're going to be at 1 p.m. continuing our verse-by-verse explanation of Paul's letter to the Galatians. We had a good group and a good time kind of introducing ourselves and familiarizing ourselves with Paul's letter to the Galatians. So I would like to invite you to come be a part of that um, midweek at midday Bible study this coming Wednesday at 1 p.m. Also Thursday, November 11th at 6 p.m., we continue um, our cooperative Bible study with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene in our series called Toolbox for the Text. That meets in the Fellowship Hall every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Also, a lot coming up this week, especially Friday evening, November 12th at 6 p.m., the Proclamation Gospel Choir from Olivet Nazarene University will be with us at 6 p.m. This is 80 plus voices. We invite the community to be a part of this. We are going to be in cooperation with the choir from Olivet requiring masks to be worn while you are enjoying the concert. Obviously those singing will not be wearing masks, but as we gather together as a bigger group with these 80 plus voices, they have requested that we require masks. So I want you to be aware of that. Also Saturday, November 13th at 8 a.m., we're having a men's breakfast here in the Fellowship Hall at Samanach Baptist Church. We're gonna have a hearty breakfast together and begin conversations of ways that we can better connect as men and also connect with men in our community. And then finally, Sunday, November 21st, two weeks from today at 10 a.m., we are going to be having another cooperative worship gathering with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. And this time we're going to be gathering at their church, Sandwich Church of the Nazarene in Sandwich, Illinois. We're gonna be meeting at 10 a.m. So the time we worship, but at their church building. So those are the announcements that I want you to be aware of. Psalm 37 verses one through 11 calls us to worship with these words. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good so you will live in the land and enjoy security. 
Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. This is God's word. Let us pray. O God, whose blessed Son came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that having this hope, we may purify ourselves as he is pure, that when he comes again with power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom where he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, and together we said, Amen. Our reading from the prophets today comes from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth, the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is God's word. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, we ask you to be with us in a life-giving and in a healing way. You promised us last week that all those who mourn will be comforted. Would you comfort us with a word of hope this morning? Because the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer, and all of us said together, amen. Who will experience the not yet become new? Who will experience the not yet become new? In Psalm 37, the psalmist gives us several different nouns that describe those who will experience all things being made new. Things like meek, things like righteous, things like those people like those who wait. That concept of the, the righteous, that's the concept that I want Jesus to teach us about today. Not the righteous, but the righteous, the righteous. I want us to think together about what is Jesus' definition, especially in the Beatitudes, of the righteous. In order to think about that, because of the promise Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, I want us to first ask us this question and then let Jesus provide us an answer. And again, my question is this, who will experience the not yet become now? Here's what I mean by that phrase, not yet become now. I was reading in Hebrews chapter 2 this week, and verse 8 says this, You have put everything in subjection under his feet. The beginning there of um, verse 8 is the conclusion of a quote from Psalm 8. In the New American Standard, it has that in all caps. In the CSB, it has that in bold, because that's the translator's way of indicating a quote is being made from the Old Testament. The psalmist says, you have put everything in subjection under his feet. And then the preacher in Hebrews wants us to understand what is meant now by this. He continues, for in subjecting all things to him, the one described in Psalm 8, he left nothing that is not subject to him. In, order, in, order, in other words, everything. There's no thing that is not going to be made subject to Jesus. But notice this qualifier. But now, but now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. We do, and these are two very important words, not yet see all things subjected to him. These are days of very not yet. These are days when we must be reminded so much of the world is not yet subjected to King Jesus. So who will experience the not yet become now? Who will experience that glorious day when everything that needs to be subjected to Jesus will? Who will experience the not yet become now? Beloved, I want to experience a world in which we do not recall what the word COVID 
means. I have in my imagination when the world's made new and maybe there's still some some literature left over, some history books that describe what it was like in, in late 2019 and early 2020 when this novel coronavirus emerged. And we're gonna read these stories and think, COVID, COVID, what does that mean? Beloved, I want to experience a world in which COVID has finally been subjected to Jesus. COVID has finally been made to bow the knee before King Jesus. Beloved, I want to experience a world in which isolation and loneliness, isolation and loneliness, one of the consequences of COVID-19, when isolation and loneliness have been damned to hell, I want to experience that world, a world in which isolation and loneliness have finally bowed the knee to King Jesus. I want to experience a world in which all the antidepressants can be flushed down the toilet and therapists' appointment books can be empty, a world in which the disease of depression has bowed the knee to King Jesus. I want to experience a world in which joblessness does not exist, a world in which fallen and greedy economics have bowed the knee to King Jesus. I want to experience a world in which husbands and wives never have to bury each other, when children never have to bury their parents, when parents never have to bury their children. A world in which death, our last enemy, will be damned to hell. Beloved, these are days of very not yet. Who will experience the not yet become now? Jesus answers this question with two more Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verses 5 and 6. Blessings upon the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessings upon those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's unpack these two Beatitudes that I think Jesus wants us to connect together by asking two questions. First, what is promised? What is promised? What will the meek in our translation inherit? What's the answer class? The meek will inherit the earth. Beloved, the earth is, is where God's will is gladly obeyed. The earth, as Isaiah 65 describes, one day will be made new. Did you hear that? The earth one day will be made new. Beloved, God has plans and has plans since the beginning of time for good things for creation. He told our first parents in Genesis 1:28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. It was God's good blessing, God's good benediction, God's good beatitude to say to Adam and Eve, the earth is good, fill the earth that every space may be a temple where God and humans dwell together. 
But the fall came, sin came, death came, corruption came, curse came. But God did not abandon his plan to bless his people, to fill the earth with his people. Abraham becomes this second, next Adam. And in many of the texts, some in Genesis 12, some in Genesis 15, I'd like to read you the account of of Abraham's name being changed. He was not always Abraham. He was first Abram, Genesis 17, verses 5 and 6. Yahweh says to him, No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you... Same promise given to Adam and Eve, exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. God has good plans to fill the earth with God's people and what God wants, God will ultimately get. Speaking of Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, Paul has much to say about him connected to God's plan for not just the promised land, but for the earth. Speaking of Abraham, Paul writes in Romans 4, verse 13, for the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. What is Abraham, according to Paul, ultimately going to inherit? A small sliver of land in the Middle East? No, he's going to inherit what? The world. Beloved, this is the promise that Jesus is connecting this beatitude to. More specifically, I think Jesus has our psalm for the day in mind. Did you catch that? The last verse in our psalm reading, Psalm 37, 11. But the meek shall inherit the land. Jesus does what the Old Testament does. Starts with the small promise to Abraham, a land. Ultimately then, Jesus and Paul Say, ultimately, that land is so much bigger. This promised land that God promises to give the offspring of Abraham, that Jesus promises to give to the meek, is ultimately the entire world. This is what the preacher in Hebrews believed. Hebrews 11, that famous hall of faith, speaking of Abraham, says, By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in what? What? Living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Beloved, Abraham's faith understood that God's plan for him and his offspring was so much bigger than just these original promised land, because ultimately the promised land pointed to the earth. So what is promised? What is promised in this beatitude? The meek will inherit the earth. The hungry and the thirsty for righteousness will be filled. The earth where God's will is gladly obeyed is what is promised. The earth as the destination to which the promised land pointed is promised. Beloved, this is the glorious future. This is the not yet become now. The not yet become now is the earth where God's will is gladly obeyed.
Let me summarize this for us. Because sometimes we have very, very fuzzy thinking. First, beloved, eternity will not be a Bible study. Eternity will not be a never-ending church service. Beloved, this is good news to me because I'm not sure if I just absorbed this or if this was directly taught, but in my mind for the longest time, especially as a child, I thought heaven was going to be just an unending song service where we all sang to Jesus. And beloved, for a certain amount of time, that's a good thing, but, but after a while, I'm sorry, but that would get kind of boring. And then I was pointed to texts like Isaiah 65. Then I was pointed to texts like Psalm 37. Then I was pointed to texts like Revelation 21, where ultimately I was reminded or perhaps taught for the first time that eternity is not disembodied, like life without bodies, in heaven, away from the earth. But beloved, our home is heaven and earth made one. Beloved, ultimately, we are not finally home when we die and our soul is separated from our bodies. In some sense, in that state, we are still incomplete. We are not ultimately what God wants for us. Ultimately, what God wants for us is bodies and soul joined on a recreated, uncursed earth. Eternity will not be a Bible study slash church service. Heaven and earth made one is our home. Beloved, this must mean some of the songs we've loved for so long aren't true. Beloved, is it true to say this world is not my home? Is it true to say I'm just a passing through? Is it true to say my treasures are, some, are up somewhere beyond the blue? Not according to scripture. According to scripture, heaven is a storehouse where my inheritance is kept. Heaven is a storehouse where my resurrection body is kept. That ultimately, heaven is a realm that was created to be the house of God, and earth was the realm that was created to be the house of humans. And ultimately, at the end of Revelation, heaven and earth become one, joined like a husband and wife, and together in oneness, the earth is made new. And if anything is true in Isaiah 65, we're going to build and we're going to work and there's going to be a lot of continuity between life then and life now. But beloved, what do the meek inherit in Jesus' Beatitudes? Do they inherit a mansion in heaven without a body? No. What is promised? The earth where God's will is gladly obeyed. The earth as the destination to which the promised land pointed? That's question one. Question two, we've answered the question, what is promised? Second question, who is promised? Again, blessings upon the meek. What will they inherit? The earth. 
Secondly, blessings upon those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Who is promised? Those who are meek. Beloved, meekness is perhaps best understood by understanding what is the opposite of meek. The actual Greek word in the most basic New Testament dictionary is someone who is meek is not overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. They are gentle, humble, considerate. Beloved, I think Psalm 37 is on the mind of Jesus when he describes the meek. The meek are described as those in Psalm 37 who don't fret. The meek are described as those who aren't envious of wrongdoers, who trust God to be their vindication, who are willing to, in verse 7, be still and wait patiently. The meek are described as those who are not overtaken by anger or wrath or the evil that comes from fretting. They're described in verse 12 as, these are the righteous Verse 22, these who are blessed by the Lord, the righteous again in verse 29. Verse 34, the meek are those who wait for the Lord, who keep his way even when it's difficult, but who trust that in the end, when the earth is made new, that is when our exaltation comes. Meekness has this idea of, of gentleness and, and, and not being demanding, not necessarily weak, but somebody who's not pumped up with their own self-importance. Why is it the meek? Why is it the gentle who will inherit the world made new? Beloved, because the king of the world made new himself said he was meek. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, that's the word pros, and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. One commentator says, meek does not mean insignificant compared to you. To the contrary, a meek person is a person with great authority, but one who does not lord it over others. Those who are meek are those who are given the promise. Secondly, those who are given the promise are those who want the ways of God to be followed. I think these two Beatitudes go together. The idea of, of meekness and the idea of hungering and thirsting for my own righteousness, my own ability to follow the ways of God. Those who are meek desire first that the ways of God be followed by them. They don't go through life hungering and thirsting for righteousness for others. No, they are personally hungry and thirsty for the righteous ways of God to be done and accomplished by them. The unmeek are demanding. Beloved, the unmeek are envious. Beloved, the unmeek are impatient. Beloved, the unmeek fret. Beloved, does anybody else feel that adjective unmeek as describing them? Beloved, what's another word for the kind of righteousness that will inherit the earth? Again, back to the beginning. I want us to consider with Jesus' definition in mind, what is righteousness? Beloved, righteousness in Jesus' kingdom, its synonym is meek. Beloved, I want to receive the not yet transformed into now. Beloved, 
I want us to receive the not yet transformed into now. Beloved, I want to offer us a foretaste of the comfort that was promised us in last week's pronouncement of blessing. Beloved, I believe the kingdom that Jesus brings is in an already not yet stage. In other words, we can now be given a foretaste of the comfort, but not fully yet be given the comfort. I believe the foretaste is this this taste of, of hope during these days of a very not yet to be encouraged that one day the not yet is going to be transformed into now. Beloved, I want to experience a world in which we do not recall what the word COVID means. A world in which COVID and all of the consequent isolation and loneliness connected to pandemics and quarantines, where those are made to bow the knee to King Jesus. I want to experience a world with all the antidepressants, all the antidepressants can be flushed down the toilet and all the therapists Appointment books are empty. I want to experience a world in which the disease of depression, the disease of depression has bowed the knee to King Jesus. I want to experience a world in which joblessness does not exist. Beloved, I found out loved ones this week are having their jobs eliminated and, and, and transferred somewhere cheaper. Beloved, I want to experience a world in which fallen and greedy economics have bowed the knee to King Jesus. Beloved, I want to experience a world in which husbands and wives never have to bury each other, where children never have to bury parents. And for Jesus' sake, parents never have to bury children. A world in which death, our last enemy, has been damned hell. Beloved, it is the meek who will inherit these things. And if we hunger and thirst after meekness, Jesus promises us that he will overfill us with that righteousness we desire. Amen. Let us now go to King Jesus and ask him to give us that desire. A reading from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Beloved, that is a local church expression of a church that is of and for the meek. Beloved, when we are unmeek, we will complain against each other. We will refuse to forgive We will be prideful and impatient. May Jesus clothe us in compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. God, guide of the humble, 
We bring our prayers to you as acts of love for you and for our neighbors. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. You call us to confidence and trust in you. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. King Jesus, we name before you those who grieve loneliness, depression. We grieve before you. We name before you those who grieve the loss of loved ones. We name before you Jeff and Mary Kester and all of the family of their daughter, Christine. Give them hope that one day the former things in the words of Isaiah will not be remembered. You bless the meek, they will inherit the earth. You offer the fullness of peace to the humble. We pray for the world, for those who are poor or in need. You bless the meek, they will inherit the earth. We offer you other concerns we carry in our hearts. You bless the meek, they will inherit the earth. God, whose justice shines like the sun, you bless those who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Fill our hearts with the spirit of the Beatitudes, that we may live this day in simplicity, mercy, and joy. Through Jesus, who taught us to do so, we pray for the coming of your reign. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this time of online worship and discipleship. We gather every Sunday at 10 a.m. here at Salmonac Baptist Church. If you do not have a church home, we would love to welcome you to one of our in-person gatherings. I now invite you to receive our final benediction. And now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly, far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, and all of us said together, amen. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.